0: Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Good evening, and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Damon Can associate professor at Utah State University and mayor of North Logan. Michelle Quist, columnist with the Salt Lake Tribune and Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News. Thank you so much for being with us. We're gonna have a big year in review tonight, but we wanna jump right into the issue that is taking hold this entire year. We're still continuing to work through the impacts of COVID-19. Doug, let's talk about what's happening in Utah right now. We hit another major milestone last week. We had 30 deaths in one day. we're leveling off in terms of those numbers, but lots of changes even now continue to evolve in terms of the restrictions. Uh, yesterday, the governor changed at least one of those uh, uh, under some pressure about like, alcohol, for example, the curfew on bars. Talk about that one and a little about the new quarantine policies.
1: Well, you know, what's really happened is we've learned a few things, right? You're not having super spreader events from schools, you're not having super spreader events at churches. Um, If you wear a mask, if you socially distance and you're in those controlled environments, uh, we seem to be able to navigate well. It's when we have friends over to a house or an extended family or things when we're just sort of gathering or running out and not paying attention to the rules, if you will. That's when COVID is really exploding. Um, How many times can you say wear a mask and socially distance, right? You know, if you count up the number of times that our health officials um, and politicians have done that. Uh, some people still just refuse to listen. But with 30 deaths, that's a very big number and it's continued to climb and it's come from some of the Thanksgiving week, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, even for the show, we make sure we wear a mask, we do our spacing until right before the stars. We need to be, keep doing that as a state because it's getting into one of the bright spots, uh, Michelle, and that is uh, the vaccine is here in the state of Utah. Talk about how that is going to go forward in the state.
2: Right, so it's first going to you know, medical professionals and you know, phase one is teachers and frontline workers. And um, I, I've seen pictures of my friends, doctors at, at uh, Primary Children's who have received it. And for me, you know, yeah, I, I didn't receive it, but that really helps me feel comfortable about if my son gets sick, we can go up there and um, you know, we're not mm-hmm. gonna get it from there. You know, they have so much exposure to patients and, and things that are going on. And um, it, it, it helps the public realize that, you know, even though the frontline workers are getting it first, they're getting it first because they need to. Right. And and it will have a ripple effect on the population.
0: Yeah, Damon, this has been a point of interesting conversation in the state. Uh, we had the frontline workers and uh, and now we've added a couple. So we have people in long-term care facilities in that first phase and added just this last week, teachers and staff in, in our schools. Talk about that change. What kind of impact you see that having?
3: Look, uh, teachers are putting uh, themselves out there on the line every day. Uh, They're in contact with lots and lots of students. And so there's there's a particularly high risk, I, I think, for them. Also, when a teacher gets it, uh, has, has COVID, they're in contact with lots of students as well. Uh, one of the things we've seen statewide is athletics teams and athletics coaches uh, that get the virus tend to spread it. And so uh, be, because you're there physically in with each other and being able to get those groups vaccinated, especially those teachers, but but really all teachers, I think will be a huge thing for limiting the spread of COVID-19. Mm-hmm.
0: This is a big concession, right? This is something that wasn't on, on the list, but our teachers have been talking about this, Michelle, right, to, to our elected officials. And so this is a big statement just saying, yeah. okay, frontline workers, we're gonna value teachers where they are right. uh, in, in that first round.
2: It's a recognition of their value mm-hmm. and, and the, um, you know, the, the jeopardy that they've put their, their lives in as they've been in the classroom with students.
1: Yeah, that is right. Go ahead, Dr. Well, I was just going to say, you talked about the quarantine rules. What we've learned is that if if a student has a mask, another student has a mask, a teacher has a mask, they've changed the quarantine rules. It used to be that you would maybe shut down the classroom or the school, people would be away, and that's been such a point of controversy in the state about whether to keep schools open or closed. Now, understanding the spread, understanding the science, and understanding what is actually happening. Uh, Just this week, they made changes to those rules. So maybe schools can stay open. Yeah, this was the
0: effort there. I mean, the governor said his let me speak to the governors. Less than 1% of those students with the mask on mask contact are spreading it, which was why they changed that. Uh, One thing, Doug, which was interesting, too, is uh, there's, there's talk about who gets to jump in line. And our elected officials are going to great lengths to say no one jumps in line. In fact, strict protocols put in place, making sure that
1: this phase one group is the only group that gets it. Well, I, I mean, we don't want to disagree with that at all, correct? And, you know, and, and newspapers have editorial positions on these things. Healthcare care workers, uh, uh, people who are vulnerable, the teachers certainly. If a teacher gets vaccinated, think of the ripple effect of that. Students are in a class. Mm-hmm. Parents are able to go to work or work from home. Single mothers are able to do that when they're pulling you know, the kind of heavy responsibility they have. So you can see where there's a strong ripple effect that becomes something really to support. Yeah. Well, and
2: I don't think people should worry. I think it's going to go faster than it than expected. It already has. You know, they were talking about vaccinations in January, and now we're in December. And you know, they've you know five doses per vial, and now it's seven doses yeah. per vial. You know, so it's going to go faster than it is. I think you know, as soon as as people start receiving it the transmission is gonna go down because fewer people will be positive. And and I think people should just be patient and realize that it's coming and keep wearing your mask. It's not that hard.
0: Mm -hmm. Damon, what's interesting is we talk about all the positives of this potential vaccine. Uh, There are some in the community that are maybe hesitant to want to get this. Uh, particular vaccine for one reason or another and uh, interesting legislation even being brought forward uh, for this next legislative session Uh, representative robert spendlove is taking a look at whether or not the government itself can mandate a vaccine
3: gotcha yeah so uh, we do have a number of vaccines that we require Uh, there you can't go to school if you don't have certain vaccinations uh, um, uh, universities require things for their students as well as the K-12. through The question is, should the coronavirus vaccine be one of those? We don't require it, say, for a flu shot or things of that nature. And uh, Representative Spendlove, I think, wants to try to be out in front of this and, and let this be a matter of choice. The, the key question that's on everyone's mind, I think, is how many people have to get vaccinated in order to end the pandemic? And if we have 10, 15 percent of people who don't get vaccinated, uh, a a lot of the evidence so far says that that would be okay. Uh, But if we have, uh, you know, 50 percent or more of the population that chooses not to get vaccinated, uh, that could be deeply problematic.
0: Mm -hmm. So, Doug, this is a good point, right? The government does have a compelling interest in some of these cases and sometimes in in our history have mandated these kinds of things. What are you hearing about that, uh, you know, particularly given this backdrop of uh, REPRESENTATIVE SPENDLOVE? Well,
1: I THINK yeah, DR. ANGELA DUNN DID MENTION YESTERDAY, IF YOU CAN GET TO 70%, YOU KNOW, MAYBE 80%, BUT I THINK SHE SAID 70%, IF I RECALL, uh, THAT WILL BE ALL RIGHT. SO I THINK THE FOCUS NEEDS TO BE ON uh, HELPING PEOPLE REALIZE THAT THIS IS SAFE. ONE OF THE THINGS TO REALIZE WITH THE TWO VACCINATION APPROVALS, IT'S AN EMERGENCY APPROVAL, AND THEY CONTINUE TO WATCH THE EFFECTS OF THAT. AND FROM A MEDIA STANDPOINT, WE HAVE A RESPONSIBILITY NOT to overreact TO um, some a negative reaction because then that can make people not take the vaccine. So there's a lot of conversation within journalism. Be careful how you report this. The, the case in Alaska where someone had a, a reaction to it. Well, that's very normal. It's part of the emergency process and they did exactly right giving care to that person. So there should be no hesitancy to follow the protocols for everyone to get a vaccine. Well, that's interesting.
2: Well, and, and we're our, we, we need to remember that the kids are already in school, most of them. except You know, everybody except for Salt Lake District, the kids are already in school and they're not super spreader places. And so I think this policy is very consistent with uh, a Republican-led state.
0: Uh-huh. Well, what do you think about this great point Doug was making, too, about the reporting, but how people are perceiving this? Maybe, this, is this why we see so many of these elected officials saying, not only am I going to get the shot, but I'm going to do it on live TV? You know, we I mean, just saw Vice President Mike Pence. Obama says he would do it. Talk about that. I
2: think so. It's, it's an example. It, it takes the fear out of the unknown, and it shows that, you know, people who are in powerful positions or who, you know, are intelligent and educated, you know, think that this is worth it and that the risk is very low. Doug,
0: yeah, do you agree with this as, as a paper, as you follow that, is that going to have sort of the desired impact? Is the... the them the be doing be very public about their shots and to Yes, I mean,
1: example, it's you have to be out there and prove that you're willing to do it. Um, we look at the example of uh, politicians who would wear masks versus not wear masks. We hear from them all the time. You should see my email box every day uh, taking issue with whether it's wearing a mask or is the election over. The actions of our, our leaders make a big impact on the behavior. Yeah.
2: And in, in Utah, perhaps if church leaders receive them publicly, that might also help as well. Yeah.
1: Very good
0: points on this. Uh, there's been a thread through all of this we've been talking about when it comes to our public schools. I want to talk about that for just a minute. Uh, Damon, let's, let's start with you because uh, some interesting developments with our legislature this past week, as, as, as many in the state know, and we talked about it on this show last week, uh, every district in the state of Utah except for one has allowed an option for either in-person or online uh, schooling for its students. Uh, this week, our legislature made a pretty positive statement from their perspective about where they think these schools should be saying they will give all teachers in every district that has both options a $1,500 bonus which means Salt Lake School District there's a little bit of pressure on them
3: it does put a little bit of pressure on Salt Lake uh, School District. Uh, Mayor Mendenhall from Salt Lake City was out uh, being being critical of this decision, saying Salt Lake teachers are working really hard too and deserve recognition for for their work. Uh, but you know, I see the other side of the coin as well. I mean, uh, teachers who are doing both are really doing double the effort uh, because they have a full spate of in-person classes that they're teaching. And then at the end of the day, when they might normally be able to go home or prep the lessons for tomorrow, they're repeating the process again for online students. And it's a lot of extra
0: work to do both. Yeah, so Michelle, so there's the question of the work, but that's not really what they're trying to get to, right? At the end, they're trying. the legislature is saying, we're trying to get to the students. Right. That they want has the option to talk about that.
2: Right, I mean, the incentive is for, teachers to, you know, to or for school boards, school districts to offer a choice for students to be able to go into school. The Salt Lake City, you know, there have been reports that that students are failing. You know, online is really hard, especially for the younger grades um, where elementary schools don't see a lot of spread and you know the incentive, Governor Herbert at the very beginning before school started changed the standards so that, S- that Salt Lake mm-hmm. City could open and could have students in and they decided against it. I don't think this is a punitive measure against the teachers. I think it's a recognition that um, this should be an option. And that those that are doing both and that are uh, you know jeopardizing their 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 health by by being in a classroom deserve you know deserve a little bonus. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Doug, uh, the Speaker of the House Brad Wilson is the one that made this motion uh, to try to compel the Salt Lake School District, but also to give this incentive as uh, Michelle was just talking about. Uh, t- talk about the policy implications of that and why the legislature would be so strong on that and why we still haven't seen much movement from the Salt Lake City School District.
1: Well, those legislators made the point that they're giving. Um, uh, TENS OF MILLIONS OF DOLLARS TO EDUCATION, uh, MAKING THE POINT WE'RE THE ONLY STATE TO DO THAT DURING A PANDEMIC WHEN SO MUCH MONEY HAS BEEN LOST INTO uh, PUBLIC coffers, AND TRYING TO SORT OF MITIGATE THE CONTROVERSY ABOUT SALT LAKE CITY'S TEACHERS NOT GETTING THIS UNLESS THERE'S A CHANGE. MY ISSUE WITH IT IS THE REASONS THEY PUT FOR GIVING THE BONUS IS BECAUSE OF THE HARD, DEDICATED WORK THAT TEACHERS ARE DOING. AND SALT LAKE CITY TEACHERS ARE DOING THAT HARD WORK uh not lesser um every every bit as dedicated and if that's the reason you're giving the bonus then give them the bonus Um, there's no question it provides uh leverage um, to try and open it up so if you look at what's real what's the science the science is we're not having super spreader events at schools so should the school district take a look at doing something that a lot of parents really want to open wear the masks use the protocols and then do we treat teachers the same This shouldn't be either or, right? It should be, let's find the best thing to do. That's right.
2: Especially with their concession that, you know, that teachers get, get the, the. The Vaccine. Thank you, the vaccine, you know, this is this we're protecting them on multiple levels. Mm
0: We are. We are. And, and Damon, just another point on this, because Speaker Wilson talked about all the things Doug and Michelle just mentioned, but also talked about uh, Salt Lake School District, the online uh, courses, but also where online occurs throughout the state has not been working very well. So doubling down on the, the part that's not working very well seems to be what the legislature is trying to get to as well.
3: Yeah, the uh, you know, I can speak from personal experience, personal experience, as most parents out there can Uh, It's been a real challenge uh, to have uh, students at home, even as each of my kids have uh, been in quarantine, except for my youngest in elementary school, Uh, some of them a couple of times uh, due to COVID exposures in school. And that period of time that they're out is much more difficult for them to keep up. Uh, they often go back to school being a little bit behind. And we need to have the online option because there are families out there for whom even the modest risk of being in a school is too much for them to take for a child with certain health conditions. So we, we need to continue to provide the online option. Uh, but Uh, We can find ways, I think, the, the evidence is becoming clearer and clearer that we can find ways to get our kids to school and with appropriate safety measures we can have them there and the vast majority of students can receive a a, a higher quality education in that way, face-to-face.
2: There will already be very serious consequences with how far behind our students are, with their their reading levels, their science levels, their math levels, their inability to um, concentrate, the graduation rates, the scholarship availability, college readiness for tests, all of that. We are gonna see that in the next um, you know, five years that, that have a deep effect on, on our children, and it, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, let's transition for just a moment, uh, Doug. Big week here in turn when it comes to the presidential election. Our electors met, they voted. So really, here's the question for you: uh, Is is it over? Do do we know who the next president is going to be? What's what's happening?
1: Yes, it's over. It's been over for quite a long time. Uh, the electoral college vote made it official for everyone. Um, uh, Utah's voted for Donald Trump. Those votes were accurate. They were counted. Uh, they were credited to the electoral uh, total. Um, so, yes, we do move on. We do move toward a transition. Uh, President-elect Biden is putting his cabinet together. People are analyzing what does that mean for the future. And, um, yeah, everyone's extremely excited about the vaccination. That sets a, a benchmark for going forward into the new year. President Trump and his team can take credit for much of that. Um, and now we move on. Mm-hmm.
0: How about as the state of Utah? Because we were kind of there already, right? Uh, except some of our elected officials uh, got involved to some extent.
2: Yeah. Obviously, Attorney General Ray's was involved in the lawsuit. Um, many Utahns upset about his involvement in that. Um, not specifically a Utah, uh, you know, value, um, although some Utahns, you know, agreed that, that they wanted him involved in that. Um, he also went down to, to Nevada and, and, you know, just the idea of interrupting other states' elections and, and um, you know, thinking that, that we have a, a standing. You know, like the Supreme Court said, we, we don't have standing. This is, you know, federalism matters. If it matters when we want to assert our rights, then it matters all the time. And each state has the, has the right to decide who won their state. And uh, it's been through the courts over 50 times. Um, I guess this is, you know, the weekly uh, the weekly decision that he, Biden won like we already know that. Like you said, it was over a long time ago. And and I think we're ready to move on. OK,
0: it seems like we are. Yeah. So this one, one more item from Washington, D.C. Damon, because before we talk about the other big stories of the year, uh, Congress is currently still debating the next round of stimulus for the United States. It looks like a deal may be close. Maybe talk about any of those details right there and why it matters right now uh, as we get ready to head into these holidays, into the new year.
3: Well, uh, as Congress looks to go into recess, uh, they, they'll be away from, uh, from the levers and switches of lawmaking. And uh, at the end of the year, the CARES Act funding that has provided support for paycheck protection, uh, for rental assistance, and a wide variety of other things that have helped keep the economy uh, and other aspects of society afloat that all expires at the end of the year. And when that funding switches off, there's going to be some challenges and some gaps for people who are still struggling from the effects of the coronavirus. And so the question uh, is whether or not Congress can get something done now before they go on break for the holidays so that when January 1st hits, some of the things that need to be continued to provide support can keep uh, can keep going. Mm-hmm.
0: Doug, what what are you hearing is likely to
1: happen and what's going to have the most impact? Well, the most impact is uh, money at for the lower economic end, uh, funding the SNAP program for food assistance, because as soon as you do that, that money is spent and goes into the economy. Rental assistance, uh, unemployment insurance, those things really boost. Um, our economists in Utah talked uh, months ago, saying the worst is over, with the assumption that you get a second stimulus and we haven't had it yet. Mm -hmm. So you kind of keep kind of waiting to get toward the cliff and you don't wanna have a stimulus when you're already over the cliff. Um, A lot of talk about the $600 payment for individuals. Um, Everyone feels that, that's a good thing, but in terms of really stimulating the economy, that's lower on the list, like number nine or 10 for having an impact. Mm -hmm. Well, we have potential government shutdown this weekend as they continue to work through this, right, Michelle?
2: But
0: Monday, is that worth we're thinking?
2: Yeah, hopefully. And you know Salt Lake City's offered um, assistance recently with the rental and the the food for for citizens who might've been in a gap and hadn't received um, other assistance. Um, it's important.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll watch this one closely on Monday. you mind if we jump into, I'm just curious what you all think has been so big this year, because I want to hear what you think the big stories are, because there have been so many, and this is the year that keeps giving and not always in the most positive ways. Can we start with you, Doug? What would you say? As the editor of this, this great newspaper the Deseret
1: News, what would you say? <laughs> um, it's, it's COVID, COVID-19. It's a, a pandemic. It's worldwide. It's affected everyone on the planet. HOW can, HAS THERE EVER BEEN ANYTHING BIGGER uh, in, in, our, IN OUR LIFETIMES, REALLY? Um, uh, YOU LAYER IN THE ECONOMY WITH THAT. YOU LAYER IN uh, CHANGES FROM SPORTS TO EVERYTHING ELSE, THE SHUTDOWN education there is there is no bigger ripple than that and we've had a lot of news from you know earthquake to windstorm to everything else but yeah. clearly it's it's COVID, and, and there's a lot of slices for that yeah it's, it's true
0: one of those things that you know i i found to be so amazing michelle is this operation warp speed when it comes to this the degree to which the country came together our scientists the medical professionals yeah. To get this vaccine.
2: No, it, it's amazing and, and nobody thought it would be so quick. And and you know, those who, who you know claim, oh, America did it. Well, you know, it's partnership with others and, and I think we need to um, be grateful at, you know, we just came out of Thanksgiving and, and be thankful that this is possible, that science is is you know can can produce this kind of result in the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not my story of the
0: okay, year. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> got, 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 I want to Come ask back. one more question on that one. Da- yeah. Damon, if I can ask you, just it's something I've been thinking about on this issue. Um, for such a long time, up and through this election, it seemed like there was just so much politics behind the COVID-19 response. I- I'm curious, since the election, if you've seen any change there. Have we, have we, are we coming together now more than we were divided when it comes to the, the issues surrounding it?
3: You know, I, I think there's been a little bit of softening, but uh, one thing that I think the pandemic has really taught us is that our divisions uh, that are so deep and profound in this country are an obstacle to making progress on fundamental issues that everybody should agree on, uh, that, uh, that polarization uh, has halted and, and slowed our progress. And while we've been able to still achieve some positive things in terms of science moving forward on the vaccine and those kinds of things, we've really struggled. And it's been a more difficult slog through this pandemic, I think, because of uh, political polarization. And I don't know that the election outcome is really
0: going to resolve that. Mm-hmm. Interesting points. Thanks for that, David. Your story. Michelle, Okay, I can't wait to hear.
2: I think it's the year of the woman. I think that it has been a, a year-long recognition of Um, you know, of of things that have been and things that we need women to be involved in policy. You know, it was the first to vote campaign and uh, Republican women's involvement in the Arizona election and, you know, the election of of our our lieutenant governor to come, Deidre Henderson and the vice president to come, Kamala Harris and cabinet, you know, secretary appointments. I think we're finally understanding that that, um, women can be involved and that they should be involved and that when we're involved, things work out better.
0: Absolutely, absolutely right. <laughs> totally agree with that, too. How, how do we keep sustaining this?
2: You know, I wish that we had had this year of, of all that the first to vote campaign had planned. You know, there were so many activities that we couldn't do because of the pandemic. But I think the way we sustain it is by keep talking about it. And I know I'm a broken record on this subject, right? And people perhaps maybe dismiss me because I keep talking about it, but I'm just going to keep talking about <laughs> okay. it because somebody has to, and it makes a difference.
0: Okay, that's that's
1: a great story. I so can yeah, I Doug. give you one thing to look at? One yes. of the big stories appearing as um, Spencer Cox becomes governor of Utah is the relationship between the governor's office and the legislature. Mm-hmm. Because with the legislature's ability to call special session, um, I THINK THAT HAS GOTTEN IN THE WAY A LITTLE BIT OF THE MESSAGING COMING OUT OF THE, of the GOVERNOR'S OFFICE IN TERMS OF um, uh, THE PANDEMIC RESPONSE. AND IS THERE A POWER STRUGGLE THERE? WE NEED TO WATCH AND LOOK AT WHAT HAPPENS AND HOW um, yeah. uh, GOVERNOR-ELECT COX IS ABLE TO NAVIGATE THAT. IT'S SO INTERESTING,
0: PARTICULARLY GIVEN THAT HE WAS A FORMER MEMBER OF the LEGISLATURE AND DEEDRA HENDERSON, HIS LIEUTENANT GOVERNOR,
1: ALSO A FORMER MEMBER OF THE LEGISLATURE. Yeah. VERY GOOD POINT. CAN'T WAIT TO SEE HOW THAT GOES. AND ALSO WATCH THE CYBER ATTACKS NEWS THAT'S COME OUT THIS WEEK. Oh, yes, um, very, very strong. There's a lot to come there, and it's very scary, and we haven't talked about it because of everything else going on, right? Yes. So watch that. Right,
0: to be concerned about that. I think the, the dominoes are still falling on that yeah. cyber attack. Great one, too. Damon, let's take a moment. Your story that you'd like to talk about.
3: Well, shoot. Uh, 20-